The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, Bully Ray and I talk about The Undertaker. Why? Because it's 32 years ago on this date that The Undertaker debuted at Survivor Series in 1990. Also, Bully tells some great stories of being on the road and how tough it is for pro wrestlers to be on the road. Also, now that Jamie Hayter is your new AEW World Women's Interim Champion, we look back at the reign that was for Tony Storm. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Before we go back and look at some of the matches that we didn't get to talk about yesterday from full gear and how there's going to be ramifications for AEW Dynamite coming up tomorrow night. I got to give a special shout out to one of the true legends in the history of pro wrestling. And that bully is the undertaker today, 32 years ago, the undertaker debuted at survivor series for the WWF. Oh, okay. That's a that's a very significant day in professional wrestling history. Thirty-two years ago, and he uh, replaced a Bad News Brown, who left the WWF at that time. It was part of the four-on-four Survivor Series match. Um, so he was on the Million Dollar Team, as we all know. And yeah, thirty-two years ago on this date, November twenty-second, nineteen ninety. The Undertaker debuted for the WWF. Hell of a run for that kid, The Undertaker. Uh, I think he's got a future ahead of him. If he sticks yeah. with it, he, he might uh, he might be a Hall of Famer one day. You know, as me, as a fan, I almost feel bad that his last match was with AJ Styles at a WrestleMania where there was no fans in attendance. His last match was a cinematic match. I still would love for The Undertaker to have that one last match in full in front of a full stadium of people, but I don't think that's going to happen. So bully, when you look at somebody like Mark Calloway, the undertaker, what do you think is next for him? You know, what do you think? Cause I would feel after doing it as long as he has, it's in his blood. And now that he's kind of been separated from it for a little bit, what do you think would be the perfect role for somebody like him moving forward? Or do you think somebody like him is like, you know what? I did what I did. I accomplished what I accomplished. 
Now it's time for me to just kind of set off to the sunset. Ding, ding, ding. Circle gets a square. I think the perfect role for The Undertaker right now for Mark Calloway is to go be a dad um, and a husband. And I think that family life uh, suits him very well. There is a point in my career where I was on the road steady between 250 days and 300 days a, a, a year for 10 years. You live on the road. You don't know what home life is like. You don't know how to be, quote unquote, normal. It, it's very, very difficult. So adjusting to that normal lifestyle for Mark Calloway, I'm sure, is a challenge. But he has a wonderful wife and human being in Michelle McCool by his, his side, I'm sure, helping him uh, each and every step along the way. Yeah, and, and as you're talking, Bully, it, it kind of reminds me of the nature boy, Ric Flair. You know, reading Ric Flair's book, and obviously Ric Flair has been a guest on this show many, many times. He would be an example, I guess, of somebody that just could not adjust to not being part, not being on the road. I remember reading in his book that when he would have time off with his family, he would go to Greg Valentine's house because he just couldn't, like, he just couldn't be home. He got so fidgety because, and and Bully, you mentioned it on the air, I think, a few times where, you know, when you stepped away, it was like, man, like, you would wake up at certain times, like, because you, you have your clock, your body clock, where you're used to, like, all right, I got to get up, I got a flight to catch, or I got to get to a show, like, you can't just turn that off. I would think that takes a long time for your body to adjust a completely different schedule because, man, after being on the road, like you said, for over a decade, that's got to be rough. I still experience uh, the struggle of being still or being home for lengthy periods of time. I'm only truly comfortable when I'm on the move. Like if I'm in a car on a plane traveling someplace, that's what feels normal to me. And getting someplace that's not my own home feels normal to me. And then when I get back to my own home, I'm okay for like a day or so. Mm -hmm. But then I start to get antsy again. It's like, I don't belong here because I spent so much time in hotels, on the road, in arenas. And, and it's a... It's not a very, it's not an easy way to live. It's not. I mean, I, I, I struggle with it every day. I mean, I'm getting better as each day goes on, but you have to remember when you're on the road for that amount of time, it's going to take that almost that same amount of time to get used to, you know, having a regular life. So um, it, for those people out there, who see pro wrestling and sports entertainment on their TV and they think, oh, I can do this. What goes on off of that TV is so much more challenging than what goes on on that TV. So the life of a pro wrestler is quite grueling. Um, I, I, I sp I've imagine. spoken to plenty of our friends in rock and roll, whether that's Zach Wild, Snake Sabo, uh, Lars Fredrickson, uh, the rock and roll lifestyle is very grueling, but even those guys, they have assistance. They have a lot of things taken care of for them. Most of the time in wrestling, unless you're in the WWE, if you're in the WWE, most of your stuff is taken care of for you outside of the WWE. You're really on your own. 
you're really, you know, out there on the road, humping the road on your own, making sure you can make that next shot, get to the next town. Very, very difficult lifestyle to lead. Uh, Forget about the physically grueling. It is mentally grueling. The toll that the pro wrestling life will take on you mentally is <clears throat> exhausting at times. I, I I can't imagine. And the other thing is, and and I guess you know, rock and rollers at least now uh, here in 2022, probably different than maybe 25, 30 years ago. Bully is staying in shape. Like when I I don't know how pro wrestlers travel as much as they do. You know, go to town to town, you know, perform, you know, you get to the arena where, you know, just me peeking through the window is probably growing into itself because you're at the arena all day. But you have to stay in shape like you have to get to the gym. You got to make sure you're in great condition. You got to make sure your body looks in perfect condition that I, I, that's got to be difficult just to find the time to hit the gym to stay in shape because you're still an athlete at the end of the day. I mean, there, there are some guys, I mean, let's take some of the guys that over their career have looked phenomenal from day one, like a Scott Steiner, right? Scott would go to the gym at one in the morning. Like after traveling, after wrestling, after everything, he'd be in the gym at one in the morning where you take guys today, like Bobby Lashley or a Drew McIntyre guys that are older and still look you know, they're, you know, they're up there in their thirties or early, early forties. They, they look phenomenal. You dedicate your life to pro wrestling and your look. I'll never forget JR um, breaking dreamers balls one day, telling him it's a cosmetic business, son. Uh, he was breaking Tommy's chops about, you know, getting into the gym or doing some cardio or, or whatever it was. And it really, it is, it's a cosmetic business. Now, not everybody has to look like Bobby, Bobby or Drew, but listen, let's take a guy like Big Van Vader or Bam Bam Bigelow. Not cosmetically appealing to the eye, bigger dudes, heavy, heavy dudes, but still look great doing what they did. Yeah. They, weren't, they didn't have to be in shape. They were in ring shape. Like, a, this like is a, a Kevin con- Owens, like a Kevin Owens, like Kevin Owens, when he's in the ring, he he's like a cat in the ring, how fast and quick he is. Kevin Owens doesn't know anybody named Jim, let alone seen the inside of one in his lifetime. And I'm not breaking Kevin's balls about that because I always said to Kevin that he was the chosen one. He's the, he's the, he has achieved the most success wearing a t-shirt when it comes to the t-shirt guys. He's he's the all excited, all exalted grand high poobah on there. I mean, worked with worked with Austin at a main event of mania. I don't think it's getting any bigger than that. But still, Kevin might not look great. Kevin's not about to get on stage at the Olympia and win a pose down against, uh, you know, uh, any of the top bodybuilders today. But those bodybuilders can't get in a wrestling ring and do what Kevin Owens does. I know we're going on a couple of different uh, down a couple of different paths here, but the pro wrestling lifestyle is very, very difficult, Dave. And, you know, here's a typical day. Uh, And I, I don't know if we've ever discussed this before, but, you know, you wake up in the morning. You either eat breakfast first and then you go to the gym 
or you go to the gym first and then you eat breakfast and then you come back to your hotel and you shower and you get your gear together and you get dressed and then you head to the building. Now, once you get to the building, there's a lot of waiting around, a lot of waiting around. And then you find out what you're going to do that day. And then you got to try to peak at the right time. Now, sometimes peaking at the right times means at eight o'clock at night. Sometimes it's not until a quarter to 11 at night. You know, you take a look at a, a rock and roll band who hits the stage every night, they hit the say, stage at the same time time every night so their body clocks their circadian rhythms they're in sync they know exactly when to come up because at 9 p.m we hit the stage and we're going to be off stage at 11 and we start to come down it's almost like being in a sleep cycle despite the fact that you're in the rock and roll lifestyle which could be hectic pro wrestling is completely different you never know when you're going to go on so imagine you're, you know, you're, you're doing your day and Dave, you have to, now you have to be up at eight o'clock at night. You got to be ready to go. You're Detroit rock city at eight o'clock. So now you have to time it the right way so that you're coming up so that when you go through the curtain at eight, you're ready to, you're ready to go. But then the next night you might not be going on until a quarter to 11. So now you're sitting around, sitting around, sitting around, and now you got to get that burst of energy at a quarter to 11. And naturally, it just doesn't happen for some people. So you're snorting five-hour energies or doing whatever it is you have to do, you know, to get yourself going. And then when the show is over, you go take a shower. You have to wait. You're, you're trying to let that adrenaline empty out of your system. And then you pack up your gear, and now the hard part starts. Now you got to get in the car and drive. Now you're doing, now you're humping two, 300 miles at 11 o'clock at night into two, three o'clock in the morning. And then you check into your hotel and then you try to get five, six, seven hours of sleep. And then you get up and you go back to the gym. And oh, by the way, the, 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 the phone calls. Uh, the you know trying to deal with your wife or your girlfriend or your husband or your boyfriend or your children or your family in between all of that, maybe dealing with some some press calls, calling into busted open, having to do that interview or whatever other thing you know, uh, whatever other PR the WWE or any other company has you doing. My point is. This is the most difficult lifestyle I've ever come across in my life. I've spoken to movie stars. I've spoken to the biggest stars in sports. You name it. When they come into our world and they see what goes on, they are blown away. And they all say the same thing. We don't know how you guys do it. That's well, how hard the pro wrestling lifestyle is on people who do this at the highest levels. Now things have become a little bit easier. Guys and gals who are making some really great money are getting tour buses, which I think is a smart idea. If you can afford it, if you can afford, it, you want life on the road to be as comfortable as possible. You know, guys renting Cadillacs. Well, why are you renting a Cadillac? Because it's comfortable. Because if I'm going to drive 300 miles, I want to sit in a nice, comfortable car, and I want to blast my music. I want to listen to Slayer's Rain and Blood as loud as I possibly can while I'm driving my nice, plush Cadillac to the next town. 
So a lot of the guys and gals try to take the edge off by getting a tour bus or booking massages on the road and doing whatever they possibly can do to help keep their, their, their bodies physically fit. But even more than that, keeping your brain, you know, mentally sane. Yeah, I, I, you know, and as you're talking, and I challenge anybody. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I challenge anybody, anybody who do, who doesn't uh, who, who questions the life of a pro wrestler. Pack your bags and spend one week on the road with a pro wrestler. Live the pro wrestling lifestyle and see how you make it. You know, as you were talking, because you know I work with the NFL and you know, the NFL athlete. I'm just using the NFL athlete as an example because I work for the NFL. Like, there's an off-season. So there's going to be months where you're off. You still got to stay in top physical shape, and a lot of them absolutely do that even during the off-season, probably more now than ever before. But you're still with your family. You're still sleeping in your own bed at night for months at a time. But even when you're in season – You know, most of the athletes, let's say somebody's playing for the Giants, they're going to get they're going to get a house in New Jersey that's near the Giants facility where when they're done with practice during the week before they go out on the road to fly to a game where they're sleeping in their own bed throughout that week and are with their family throughout that week leading to the game, even during the season. So in there is no comparison to, let's say an athlete from a major sport like the NBA, the NFL, or Major League Baseball, because there's an offseason, and even during the season for a lot of that time, you're in your own home and you're sleeping in your own bed. Bully, there is no offseason when it comes to pro wrestling, so there is no light at the end of the tunnel. And I couldn't imagine, I remember having this conversation with you, Bully, that a couple years back, you know, I was in Minnesota, and... It was for one of the, I think it was for AEW last year, full gear last year in Minnesota. And I had an issue, a family issue. And I remember talking about it with you because I was like, man, I'm in a hotel in Minnesota and there's nothing I can do. You know, Violetta's calling me, but there's really nothing I can do because I'm in a hotel hundreds and hundreds of miles, thousands of, you know, whatever, miles away. I can't imagine when you're out on the road um, where you like, there's nothing you can do. You're married, you know, you have children, issues are going to happen with your family and you're in a hotel on another side of the country. And there's really nothing you can do bully. Dave, I never personally had to deal with that. Never had children. I was always, I always had a significant other, a girlfriend when I was on the road, I've been lucky enough to be in some very nice relationships throughout my career. But Devon, being married a couple of times, having like six children. I Devon's phone was attached to his ear. It's actually a running joke in the wrestling business amongst the boys about how much Devon was on his phone at all times because he was dealing with family issues, whether it was his current wife or an ex-wife or his children or his mom and dad and stuff like that. There are so many things going on at home where they need the the proverbial man of the house, the the man of the house to make a decision or my husband to make a decision or dad, what do I do about this? Or, or I need to call my son for this. There's so much going on and you feel helpless at times. Helpless. I'll tell you a quick story. You know what? Let's take a break. And I'm going to tell you a story about how helpless I felt 
when I got news from home about a medical emergency and how much fear I had in my in me for two weeks out on the road. If you missed anything this week on Mad Dog Sports Radio, I got you covered. It's Mike Babchitz. Morning After, where we play back the best clips of the week and recap in a way you have never heard before. It's a roast like no other, and no one is safe. Not Mad Dog, not anyone. This is a Morning After walk of shame you actually won't regret. You can find Mike Babchitz Morning After on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow the show so you never miss an episode. Now, Bully, you're sharing that story because we're talking about how tough it is on the road, physically and mentally, but especially when, as we all deal with our families, whether it's, you know, whether it's with a spouse or with their children or loved ones, and then you're on the road hundreds of miles away. Here is a very personal story that I've never, ever told before but I'm trying to give an example of how difficult it is to be on the road and get news from home and how to deal with it, especially when there's nothing you can do and your hands are tied and your significant other has to go about it by themselves. Um, I was in Japan in uh, the early 2000s. Um, this might've been right when me and Devon, mid 2000s when me and Devon had left the WWE and I was in all Japan. And this is when all Japan was hitting on all cylinders and was bigger than new Japan at that, at that uh, time. So I get a call from my girlfriend and she tells me that she went to the doctor. She wasn't feeling well and she got some blood tests done. And she told me that she had hepatitis C. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, is there anything you want to tell me? And I was like, um, no, what, like, what do you mean? She's like, are you sure there's nothing you want to tell me? She's like, I have no idea how I could have possibly gotten hepatitis C. And the way hepatitis C is transferred, she thought that she got it from somebody else and that somebody else would have been me. She was hysterical. She was hysterical because she got a hepatitis C test back that was positive. She was hysterical because she thought, you know, something was going on on the outside. And I'm telling her, listen, this is no, it's not for me. But then once we hung up, you know, we, we had a discussion on the phone and she was going to go, you know, back to the doctor and this and that. And now I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. With all of the guys that I had been in the ring with in ECW, like uh, a new Jack or a Cronus or any of the guys there. And, you know, ECW wasn't exactly, you know, we weren't, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of stuff going on in ECW where I started to say to myself, man, did, did I contact this in ECW? Has it been lying dormant in my system? Did I pass it on to her? I mean, I told the story about how new Jack, new Jack's blood was dripping into the back of my throat one night. Like I didn't know. So now I'm going to, I was on the road for two weeks with all Japan, having my girlfriend at home thinking that she had hepatitis C and got it from me. And that was a very difficult thing to deal with 
every single day because I, I'm wondering if I had it. I feel horrible for her that she's having to deal with this news. Having hepatitis C back then was a lot more difficult to deal with than it is now. I think the medication for it now is a lot more advanced. It was just mentally grueling thinking, how could this have happened? Did it happen? Well, then once I got home, we found out that she had, she found out like two days later that it was a false positive. And she went back and got checked again and it came up negative. She went for one more check and it was negative again. The moral of the story is how difficult life on the road is when you get information that all you can do is deal with it on the phone. And if she's in, she lived in Florida and I was in Japan and with the 16 hour time difference, it's not easy. There was no FaceTime at the time, obviously. So all you could do is talk on the phone about it. I don't even think there were, um, there was, there was very minimum text messaging, just words, no photos, no, you know, nothing like that at the time that this had happened. My point with Devon dealing with children or other any other wrestlers. When you're out there for so long, the mental toll this will take on you from being away from loved ones. There was a time in my life, Dave, where I felt so detached from my family because my family were my fellow, fellow wrestlers. I saw them 300 days and 300 nights a year. When I was when I was home, my family and friends were just people I saw occasionally and maybe talked to sometimes, especially when I was in the WWE. That first 6 years in the WWE, you live in a complete bubble, or at least I lived in a bubble. It's different now. But when you, were do, when you were doing it as long as we were doing it, nothing else existed except your wrestling family and your wife and children or your girlfriend. And that was it. You didn't have time for anybody else because you left on a Friday morning at like 5 a.m. You wrestled house shows Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You did Raw on Monday when SmackDown was live. You did it on Tuesday or you taped it on Tuesday. Then you spent half a day traveling home on Wednesday. By the time you get home, you are shot. And all you want to do on Wednesday is unwind. But guess what happens on Wednesday? What? You get a second wind. You get the, on Wednesday, you finally get home and all you want to do is hit the, hit the bed and sleep. But right around Wednesday at about seven, eight o'clock at night, your rhythm kicks in. You think it's showtime and you're ready to go. And now you're up all Wednesday night, Thursday, you finally get a chance to do laundry and pack at night. Maybe uh, see your significant other wife, husband, yada, yada, you know, have some fun with them date night. And then Friday morning, you're back out on the road. It is very, very difficult leading the real professional wrestling lifestyle. I mean, these days, it's, it's a lot easier. WWE's schedule is not nearly as grueling. AEW is a cakewalk just because they do, you know, they do one or two, you know, nights a week. It's a very, very um, e easy schedule. 
but yeah, man, I, I know we went off on a lot, a lot of, the, I hope, no, the, I hope, I think I hope our education. listeners enjoyed the stories this morning. This is Adam Shine, host of the Adam Shine podcast. Here to tell you, you can listen to my podcast all year round. I'll give you my NFL picks against the spread, give you fantasy advice all season long, while being joined by the best guests in all of sports. He's Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. This is what I expect. You know, I expect to play well every year. We release episodes of the Adam Shine podcast every week. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast or listen on the SXM app, included with most subscriptions. The Adam Shine podcast. First of all, what did you think of the match? Here's another example of, I guess, the the fan of 2022. Clearly, Tony Storm is the baby face, but you wouldn't know it because you had 15,000 fans, a sellout crowd in Newark, New Jersey, rooting for Jamie Hayter. So before I get into that, though, Bully, what did you think about the match between Jamie and Tony? thought Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm did a good job. I thought that the... The fans in Newark were more into Jamie Hayter and um, and Tony Storm than they were Britt and Paige and Nyla and um, Jade. Jade. No fault of their own. We discussed yesterday what went on with uh, Paige and, um, I'm sorry, Soraya and Britt and why the crowd were the way they were. I also think that those people have firmly been behind Jamie Hayter this whole time. I do not believe that Tony Storm was positioned correctly after she won the interim championship. Love letter to Tony Khan. Dear Tony Khan, please get rid of the term interim champion. Love you. Hugs and kisses. Bully. I don't care about an interim champion. Okay. I want a champion. That's it. Thunder Rose has been gone for a while now. I don't know when she's coming back. Dave, do you? Uh, I think the target, at least from what they're saying, is January. Great. January. I hope she comes back and is 100%. Right now, Jamie Hayter is my women's champion, and Tony Storm was my women's champion. I don't need to hear this interim stuff anymore. What if, what if Thunder Rosa was going to be out for a year? Would these women still be considered interim champions? It sounds... Go ahead, Dave. No, I was going to say, I understand. I don't agree with it because I agree with you. I understand why Tony Khan originally did it because they do it in MMA. He thought this would be more of a a quote-unquote sports-like way of doing it. But I think ultimately it hurts whoever's holding that championship. Though... I, I think it goes even deeper than just the term interim AEW Women's Champion bully because I don't feel like fans are going to think the same way with Jamie Hayter being the interim AEW Women's Champion. They just never positioned Tony Storm to have success. I, I, I wasn't crazy about the way they used her on TV. There wasn't really a big story with Tony Storm as well. Um, I really do feel that even though she doesn't have a championship, a lot of the stories do revolve around Dr. Britt Baker because Bully, as you said, she is probably the biggest star right now in the AEW women's division. It almost feels like there was really no way for Tony Storm to succeed in this situation. I think that creative could have put her in better positions 
more positions to succeed, to have bigger, more star power. I'll tell you the one day that stood out in my mind where I was like, this is the kiss, not the kiss of death really for Tony, but I'm like, this is not doing Tony any favors. Do you remember the day that Soraya was standing in the middle of the ring? I think it was her second week back and she called out some of the women from the locker room. She called about, yes. and about five women came out to the ring. Yes. Four of them weren't very well-known women within AEW or were like, you know, Mid-card. At best. Mid-card at best. Talent. And Tony Storm, your interim world champion. What is Tony Storm doing there, standing there in line behind Soraya with at best mid-card talent? Nothing screams that you really don't care about Tony Storm and her as your interim champion more than lining her up with other talents that she is superior to. That perception resonates, or it did with me. And there were times where I saw the look on Tony Storm's face, where I could just tell the life is being sucked out of this woman. And when she had her nose busted open the other night, I, I, I actually felt bad for her because it ain't ballet, but I saw a girl that for a moment looked really dejected, like, this whole run has been lackluster. I'm about to do the job, and now I got to deal with a broken freaking nose on a very pretty face. Get rid of the intern shit. It doesn't do anybody any favors. Whether it's Tony Storm, JD, Jamie Hayter, your sister's ass. If you can't, you want if you want to have an interim champion, it's got to be less than 30 days. And then 30 days later, your champion gets her shot back and whatever. If it's going to last this long as it's lasted with Thunder Rosa, and no blame on Thunder Rosa, she has an injury, whatever that injury is. Some injuries last a day, some last a year, some last eight years. Hey, you know what? It's co it's caused bully. It's caused drama and grief that's unnecessary. I think there's a lot of frustration by having that terminology of interim world champion. If Thunder Rosa... Injuries are going to happen in this business, Bully. They happen all the time. You know, if you can't defend the title within 30 days, you know what? You you drop the championship. You you, you have a match or a tournament to, to crown a new champion. And when that former champion comes back, then they're first in line to get a championship opportunity. That way, everybody is happy. And I think I think if he can change that, I think Tony Khan is going to change that because it's caused so much like bullshit drama and stuff that's unnecessary just because you decided to have that. I don't think that was the goal. I don't think that's what he wanted to do, but that's unfortunately what's happened. And bully, it's unfortunate because in the time in in a very short period of time, we saw it affect your AEW Women's Championship, and we saw it affect your World Championship as well. So it's unfortunate that there's been these injuries, but you had these injuries. So hopefully that will change. And there's nothing wrong with stopping on a dime and just calling somebody your champion. Tony could even go out there on social media and just say, hey, I've given this some thought. I want to drop the interim name. And from now on, we're not having interim champions. They'll just be known as our champions. That's it. That's all you need yeah. to do. It's and pro wrestling. We can change We can change this shit on the fly if we want, especially if you're the owner of the company. 
after giving this some thought, yada, yada, interim champion is gone. I think they, people would like that. And not only that, it, it, it sets up even better stories because let's just say when Thunder Rosa come back, comes back, Jamie Hayter is still your AEW interim women's champion. Thunder Rosa can go back. The story's already custom made. You never beat me. Nobody beat me for that championship. I, you know, I had to give up that championship because of this injury. But you know what? You never beat me. You're not truly the AEW Women's Champion, and that sets up your match for your next pay per view. There you go. It's perfect. I, I think it just muddies the water way too much, and it's completely unnecessary. And I think many fans think the same way. It's an easy fix. So, yeah, you were telling me, Dave, um, during one of our phone conversations that being live in the arena, you felt that the fan base was ready to riot if Jamie Hayter, Hayter, Hayter did not win that match. I did not get that feeling watching it on TV at home. Talk to me about what it was like live in the arena. Well, here it is. So the match is happening, and it's actually Gabby who first brought it to my attention. Gabby was like that there was like three fans like off to our right that were actually like physically getting angry because it looked like Tony Storm was going to win. I don't know if it's related, but there was actually a couple of fights that broke out during the course of that match in the arena itself. And I started to look around bully and I started to, when it, it, cause there was a point in the match where it looked like Tony Storm was going to win that match. I actually saw people around us getting physically angry because they thought Tony Storm was going to win that match and retain the AEW Women's Championship. It, I, I, I honestly will say that I have never seen that probably since going to the ECW arena back in the day where I was like, holy shit, we might actually see like something happen here if things don't go the way that the fans want. Though I I I there was legit there was a chant of let's go Jamie and I think I I heard one voice say let's go Tony. The next thing I know I look to see you know that person that said let's go Tony the next thing I know, that person is having a physical altercation with another fan. I, I, crazy on Saturday. Why do you think AEW fans <clears throat> were not able to get into Tony Storm? Tony's fault? Creative's fault? Where did the where did the where's the miss the the the, the uh the, the disconnect misstep, with Tony. The disconnect? Man, that's a great question, Bully. Because I don't know if I could put my finger... You talk about the AEW Interim Women's Championship. You talk about the way that she was booked. I, you know, you talk about her on TV. I will say this. Um, when it comes to AEW and that Women's Championship, whether it was Tony Storm as your champion, Thunder Rosa as your champion... Um, I never really got the feeling like any of the women's champion other than Britt Baker was actually ever used the right way. I could go back to Thunder Rosa bully when Thunder Rosa became champion. I love the story going in. We had Thunder Rosa on our show many times where she talked about her struggles, her, her road, how hard that road was 
and then leading up to that championship opportunity where she got. We never heard that story on TV. And then once Thunder Rosa won that championship, we hardly saw Thunder Rosa on TV, whether it was in a promo or actually in the match. I think you could say the same thing for Tony Storm. They never really spotlighted Tony Storm as your champion. It also it kind of feels like the best stories with those women's division had nothing to do with the actual women's championship. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and I'm not quite sure why. Listen, <clears throat> different promoters and bookers over the years have things that they like more than others. Vince McMahon was never a huge tag team wrestling guy. Um, Dixie Carter was never a fan of the <clears throat> so slower paced wrestling. Uh, do you think? Do you think Tony is as big of a fan of the women's division as he is the men's division? I think so. I mean, talking to Tony every week, he gets he gets he gets very excited when he talks about the women's matches. You know, he's got very excited talking about, and you know, I thought it was really cool. And a lot of people agree. I, a lot of people have been talking about that. You on that pay per view on Saturday, you had three high yeah, caliber women's women's matches on that pay per view. I think that's pretty groundbreaking as far as like a major company with a major pay per view having. And it, you know, it was. You know, you had that women's uh, championship. You had you had the uh, TBS championship, and then I think Bully for me, the biggest story going into the pay per view was Soraya and Doctor Britt Baker. Those, so I don't, I don't think that's the case. I, I, I really don't know. I'm it's, spitballing it's a fascinating when I ask these question. questions. Maybe, maybe Tony wasn't pulling in the minute by minute, or her quarter hour wasn't strong. Thus, the lack of this. I just never felt like when I look at Tony Storm, I see a woman who does a very good job in the ring. She has a tremendous it factor, a great look, always looks serious and like she's taking her job seriously. But there is still a disconnect. There was something in between. People were really into Thunder Rosa and. Thunder Rosa gives you a lot to get into. There's layers to her look and her character. But but, but really, really quick, Bully, but I yep. don't think they used Thunder the right way. When, I, they used Thunder the right way until she won the championship. It, seemed, it felt like to me, once she won the championship, it's almost like Wardlow in a while of ways. Like we saw Wardlow get built up and get built up, but then once he was there... It's almost like, all right, we got him there, so now we could like kind of lay off. Where it's almost like, no, I want to see more of Wardlow. I I don't know if I'm off base here, but that's the way I looked at it. I agree with you. And sometimes things happen behind the scenes, Dave, that affects what happens in front of the camera when it relates to talent being used the right way. The one woman that I will say that has been used the right way since she got there, is Dr. Britt Baker. Yes. We can agree on that. Yes. But you have to have, with all the women there, <clears throat> you have to continue to build these others. And I would like to see Thunder and Britt again. And I eventually will like to see Jamie Hayter 
and Thunder or Jamie Hayter and Britt. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream the podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.